Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tandy. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. Yes, in this episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 2 of 7th Heaven. The title of the episode is Drunk Like Me, or if you are in Germany, it is called The Accommodation Ritual. Which, I'm sorry, but no. It's a little bit appropriate, maybe. Yeah, but uh, it's like a quarter of... Not even, like an eighth worth of the show. Well, of this drunk episode. like me isn't a good. Neither one of these is good. Actually, yeah. But I can't even come up with a good title for this. Yeah, because it was. All right. Well, so anyway, here's our IMDb user summary of this episode Matt let his lonesome friend Kevin persuade him to join a frat together, but decides against it after visiting the party animals' sloppy frat house. The prospect of remaining alone with just sisters, possibly even the twins, makes Simon defensive. He thus refuses to join Ma's project to fix up a classic car in bad state as surprise for Matt, for which only Lucy shows actual aptitude. The arrival of hunky car enthusiast Jay Thompson, however, awakes futile interest in Mary and brings in Simon. Eric's attempt to cheer up Simon by taking him an and a boys' night at, at the pool house turns sour on account of the choir's flirtatious recruit. Matt is picked up by another non-drinker, but called away to check on Kevin, who passed out and is diagnosed with a possibly fatal alcohol overdose, yet refuses to drop his frat application. Matt turns on the frat. So basically, that's the end of the podcast, because that, that review did everything that we were going to do just now. Right. We don't really have a whole lot to say, because it was a terrible episode, but what was your first impression? Well, as I said from um, our previous episode, I was very excited about season three, especially because the first episode was so good. 5.5 on the seven-point scale. I know. That's unheard of, especially coming from me. I'm a very harsh grader sometimes. Um, but... I guess nothing good lasts. Um, this was, I don't know, I, nothing that was in this episode should have happened, honestly. It was kind of pointless and, like, didn't have any purpose whatsoever. So, meh. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess we'll get into it. We're going to do kind of the storyline by storyline to the extent that there were storylines. Um, which is going to lead us to skip over the cold open mm -hmm. because that it deals entirely with Matt's storyline, which is like, I guess, the focus of the episode. So we're saving it for last. So we'll start with the Rev storyline, which, as the IMDb user summary uh, tells us, is about a new recruit for the choir. Yes, Nancy. Nancy Randall uh, comes into the picture. She is a recent divorcee. Uh, divorcee? Divorcee. I don't know. She has been recently divorced, um, and she is meant to be. She moved to Glen Oak, and now she she's a she's a music teacher, I think. And the Rev is so excited because she's, I guess, a good singer because she's a music teacher. Um, so they're excited to have someone good in the choir. We're also led to believe that she's a very attractive woman. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> which, we're okay. led to believe that by other characters' actions. I wouldn't say that. It's at not, face value. Yeah. But if you watch this episode, you probably will not think that. I mean, maybe you might. A beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But for us, we didn't see that. Like, it's a lot of the characters' reactions to her were like immediately, like, "Oh my God, she's beautiful!" And I was just like, "Uh." Nah. Um. So at. Because Seventh Heaven is pretty predictable, within the first scene with the Rev, we kind of pick up that there might be some flirtation. 
happening. Well, they kind of, like, Matt comes in to the office towards the when Nancy is on her way out, and she, like, lingers a bit when she says goodbye, and you can't really tell if she's looking at Matt or the Rev. So there's that, because Matt has been, like, you know, older ladies have been interested in Matt before. So I think it's supposed to be like, oh, will they or won't they? Who is she after? Um, because it's, like, one of the first things that she says is that she's divorced. So, I mean, the next, this picks up, this is a really brief storyline. Yes. And that later on, uh, J- the Rev and Simon are alone at the pool hall. And it's very crowded because I think it's, like, a Friday night. And there are no tables. And Nancy is there dining alone. And she invites them to sit with her because there are no tables. But also because she has ulterior motives. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, she's at the pool hall because it apparently has the best burgers in town. I think the dairy... I think she was there to pick up the single men. Um, and she wanted to try out the best burgers. I think the dairy shack is probably not going to be happy with that, thinking that they don't have the best burgers. Um, and they sit down. Simon's kind of wary of her in the beginning because of how forward she's being with the Rev. Although... She immediately puts her hand, like... Her arm on his arm, or, like, her hand on his hand, which is, like, as soon as they sit down, she does that. But then after that, there's not really much else that indicates that she's, like, coming on to the Rev. I don't think. Yeah, actually, I was going to say the only thing that, like, really is a point of contention is her, like, yeah, Yeah. is her touching him. But uh, Simon is not okay with this whatsoever, and he is very rude to her. Uh, But at the same time, I can see where Simon's coming from, because the Rev is acting like nothing's amiss. Um, and she kind of realizes that she probably shouldn't be doing this in front of the Rev's son and leaves. Asks for her check and then... Oh, the Rev pays for it, by yeah, the way. Yeah, she asks for her check and then the Rev is like, oh, it's on me. And I don't know why she did that. Um, I think... And then really this storyline ends with... Uh, <laughs> she just shows up to the Rev's house. Yeah. The Camden's house. Um, in the background, while this is all happening, uh, well, just like as an update, um, Annie knows about Nancy, uh, knows that Nancy is the recently divorced new choir member, um, and that, that sh- there might, she might be coming on to her husband. Annie opens the door, is very taken aback by her beauty. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're Nancy. Uh, she's like, I'm here to talk to the Rev. Um, and then she just apologizes to the Rev because... She says, she's like, I shouldn't have done that. I was coming... Oh, and the Rev is clueless this whole time, even though he, like, he thinks that Simon was overreacting at the pool hall. And, um, so she, she kind of admits it and the Rev is like, uh, and she says that she can't, she'd be more, you know, oh, she was like, I knew you were a married man. I shouldn't have done that in front of your son. And then she's like, I have to go to a different church because I can't be around you. Because, again, the re- back to this idea of the Rev being irresistible, um, which is also not a thing. Nobody on the show is irresistible, just FYI. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, and then... And so then she's so then the Rev is like, oh, are you gonna go to this church over at on Man or on this street, yeah. whatever these streets? And she's like, yeah. And then she leaves, and Annie, who was like hiding and eavesdropping the whole time, appears, and she's like, how did you know what church she was gonna go to? And he goes, it's the only one with a single minister. <laughs> this character is... Jinx. I know, but, like, this is such a one... Like, a, a flat character for them to introduce. <laughs> She's just after all those ministers. Yeah, it, it's basically, like, a rehash of that 
of like that one friend that Rachel. Yes, that Annie had. I kept thinking that this woman's name was Rachel, and I've had to write down like three times Nancy. <laughs> but that's it. That's Nancy Randall for you. There to remind us that the Rev is a player. <laughs> um, yes. And that's really the Rev storyline. That's he like has some other background. Uh, he appears in Matt's and Simon's. Yeah. I mean, we kind of brushed over where he's in Simon's. So anyway, well, Simon. We, so uh, Simon is as. Matt has basically moved on, right? He's going to college. He's spending very little time at home. So Simon is really the only guy there other than the Rev. But does the Rev really count? Um, <laughs> and apparently uh, he was promised that he, he and Annie would work together on a, on the new car that the... Yeah, Annie, Annie says something early in the episode about having... Uh, the car just got delivered. She got this old... Car to fix up. It's a 1984 Camaro for yeah. all you car people. Um, and that's like she 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 had it delivered like on the down low with the plans of since we know that Annie is the handy woman, she's going to um, fix it up for Matt as like a surprise because he needs some a way to get back and forth to school, especially because he has he's still living in the house. Yes, he's still living in the house, still living in the attic. Um, so Simon was really excited because it would be a thing that would happen between them, but Annie ends up inviting, um, all the girls to do it as more of a family, um, activity. And Simon's very brushed off about this, not brushed off, that's not the word, he's pissed off about it. Um, (laughs) but he, it angers him and annoys him even more because, uh, he finds out that Annie thinks that the twins are going to be girls. So... We can all get into Simon's mind here and understand that he thinks that, like, in the future, his life is going to be populated by women, and he thinks he's going to be on his own. Um, he also has, like, this... It's it's very... I don't like what they... Well, I mean, I guess because everyone else is... Like, so he's, like... He basically says that he can't fix the car because it's a girl activity now, and I think it's supposed to be... I don't know. I, I really he, he thinks it's supposed to be like a guy activity or just him and Annie. It was supposed to be his I don't know time with his mother. Yeah, there's a weird thing here where like a like this like joke or something about like girls have girl stuff and guys have guy stuff and they can't like do the same they can't things. Mingle. Right, and um, there's even like this thing where which I was just like what because Simon's like. The cars are my thing. And I was like, Simon, you have a new thing every week. Like, the only consistent thing in your life is happy. I mean, I guess the the kind of comment, like, the tick is pretty consistent. But that's, like, the only thing that I would say he has, like, ownership over. So... He, like, complains to uh, the Rev and... The Rev's not really helpful because the Rev is not into any of the well, manly things. And also the Rev says he's like, oh, fixing a car is a girl thing or something? I don't know. He he kind of, like, feeds into this stupid idea, um, questioning, like, what Simon is telling him. Because and then, activities can somehow be gendered or, you know. Right. Uh, and then Annie, come, as soon as, like, Simon walks away from that scene, Annie walks in and tells the Rev that... Uh, you and Simon need to do some guy stuff. And the Rev goes, we'll go out to a nice dinner this week. <laughs> um, and then Annie is like, that's guy stuff? And again, what go, going to dinner is gendered at this? <laughs> like, I don't know what they were going for with this. If, if this was supposed to be some sort of like... Going to dinner is girl stuff. Commentary, like some sort of elevated commentary on the fact that society tries to say that certain things are things men should be doing and certain things that women should be doing. Uh, it definitely falls flat and doesn't deliver whatsoever. If it's a horrible joke, then yes. 
Brenda Hampton did a great job. Uh, there is a great line in that, in that exchange particularly that I made note of where uh, Annie's like, I think he's just feeling left out. And the Rev goes, no, that's Lucy's job. Yes. So I'm glad that they're all self-aware that Lucy is a drama queen. Yes. So... Anyway, I don't even know. I think the next thing is the dinner, right? Yeah. They, with, and, like, we, we already covered this. This whole thing happens with Rachel. Nope. That's not her name. Nancy. Yes. Uh, and um, um, something happened. I don't know when we want to cover this. On the, on the way No, we can do it now. To, okay. On the way back to the car, I guess, from dinner, because as soon as uh, Nancy leaves, Simon is like, I don't even want to be here with you anymore. I just want to go home. And the Rev is like, sit down. We have to talk. What's wrong with you? And then Simon says, does he say, like, stuff about feeling like he's going to be left out or something? Yeah, he because says. he's going to be. I, he does. Oh. He says, did you know that mom thinks that she's having girl twins? Um, and this, the thing is, right, when episodes suck, we stop paying attention. <laughs> and this is one of those conversations which, like, nothing was happening. So, like. It was boring. There was no point in paying attention. But. The basic gist of it is that the Rev tries to have this conversation with Simon and try to make him see that, like, even if, like, they're going to have more girls in the house, that it doesn't matter, but he doesn't really get through to Simon. Um, Because of the fact that they, like, turn around and see that Matt is at at a bar, which we'll get to in a in a little bit. Um, But what does happen is the following scene with Simon is him having a heart-to-heart with Annie. So, yeah, he's having this conversation with Annie, and he tell, well, he tells Annie basically exactly what he told the Rev about what's up um, and how he's like, I'm going to be surrounded by girls, and it's not going to be fun, and I'm going to have no one to do man things with. Uh, and Annie kind of is like, oh, I don't even know. Like, that's just a hunch. It changes from day to day. I just thought they were girls this morning, but... Um, and then Simon kind of asks about her, what she thought. She says, oh, like, I thought Ruthie was going to be a boy. And then Simon was like, what about me? And she's like, I thought you were going to be a boy. And then she's like, he's like, what about Lucy? And she says, boy. And then she's like, he says, what about Mary? And she says, girl. And then he doesn't ask about Matt. No, he does. Oh, he does ask about Matt. I think Matt was supposed to be a girl, too. No, no. When Matt was supposed she, to be a boy. Yeah. So, so the so only one she got right was... No, but... The only, no, she, the only one she got wrong were um, no, she got Ruthie all- and... No. Ruthie and... Uh, Oh, wait, no, she got all of them wrong except for Mary Mary. and Matt. (laughs) No, Mary and Matt. Yeah, but then Simon makes it seem like... He says you've been right more than you've been wrong. Oh, I guess because she she was right with Simon. That's three to two. Yeah. I guess he's right. I guess Matt is... No, he is right. I I didn't know where you were going with that. I didn't... The way that we were doing... Well, anyway, so so he's like, oh, you've been, like, right more than you've been wrong, so you're probably right this time or whatever. But then we... This... Part of this conversation doesn't take place on screen, but we find out in the next scene that Simon appears that Annie gave him, like, this pep talk about, like, the importance of being the brother to... Actually, some of it happens on screen. uh, The importance of being a brother to, like, a group of sisters. So... Yeah. He takes this very... Like, he takes it to heart and decides he needs to be, like... The, t- the typical, like, I guess, protective brother, like, that Matt was doing in, in the two episodes ago, the season two finale? Um, just before we get into that next scene, uh, in that conversation, she also makes a comment about how, well, just imagine it'll be you and five other girls, like, you'll be the king of, like, the house. <laughs> I was like, 
I don't really understand uh, yeah, that. that yeah. I don't understand why, why that would be the case, but okay. Um, but yes, yeah, Simon has, suddenly has a change of heart due to his conversation with his mother, and he comes down going in a spacesuit, basically. Well, it's like a, it's like a, a jumpsuit for like working on cars or something, and he goes out to investigate Mary and Lucy and Ruthie and Jay, who we will talk about later. This man. Uh, who are working on the car to now he's like excited to be involved because you know he's got to go look out for his sisters because there's a man with them in the garage uh, and I don't even know like he ends up he comes in and he pretends he's like being protective I don't even know what he does but he gets very sidetracked very easily when he finds out that Jay Thompson has a prowler and apparently that is a very uh, nice important car fast Good car. car, yeah, and uh, him and Jay walk off and go to see the Prowler because Jay only lives six blocks away. Um, and I guess the point of this is that Simon can have male friends. I don't <laughs> that like he can turn to. Well, when when they're walking to like he he does like the protective thing when when he's going with Jay to see this car because he's like, so which one of my sisters are you into? Blah blah blah, trying to get to the. The heart of the matter, and then to, I guess, intimidate, I don't know. Intimidate Jay with his stature? Yeah. This is like a like 16-year-old kid walking around with this like 7th grader. Yeah. Um, and he's apparently not interested in anyone because he just got out of a relationship. Uh, he's just... Hang, he just can't resist cars. Yeah, so, and neither can Simon, so they're now fast friends because there's a very weird, like, laughing together and walking scene that happens immediately after. Um... And that's really it. That's Simon's storyline. He comes to terms with the fact that he may be the only guy in the house, which is good for Simon. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Again, just like stupid little plot lines that had nothing to do with anything and just were thrown in to take up time. Yeah. Remember that the ep- name of the episode is Drunk Like Me, and so far nobody has been drinking or drunk. So no. alcohol is not a factor yet uh, at all. Uh, I feel like these are all, like, mini storylines. Like, even we're getting into... So now the next storyline is Mary, Lucy, and Ruthie all basically have the same storyline. And we've already touched on it in a few different... Like, t- like a few different times. But, like, they all have one storyline. Yes. Like they don't even do things as individuals in this episode. So uh, what we start with is them coming down... Right after the cold open, we have a long sequence of them getting this, like, big bowl of cereal ready. And it's... This is not something I would ever do. I don't know if this is something you've done, but... Me? Yeah. I thought you were asking Jenner, like, uh, no, I've never done this. Um, But they were mixing, like, multiple cereals together in a big bowl, and all three of them were eating out of it. And Simon called it Kudios, because he's so clever. Um, They... Annie comes down. Again, we're having the conversation about them fixing up the car. They're very excited because they want to name the twins. Um, yeah. I mean, fine. I don't know why they think they... That, like, they don't even ever explain that. And the, well, they ask Annie, like, do you think... Well, we've said this before. They're like, do you think it's, like, a boy or a girl? Or they're bo-? And she says that um, she thinks that they're girls. So then they're like, oh, you're... Well, <laughs> Ruthie says you're probably out of names by now or something. And... They think that they should, because they are girls, that they should get to name the new girls. Um, the girls are not looking forward to working on the car, but uh, 
they do. And what ends up happening is that Lucy is an idiot savant, apparently, when it comes to car stuff. She suddenly knows the names for things uh, like plugs and points. She, and she just, like, intuitively, she uh, I don't think we have any information that is supposed to lead us to believe that she's studied any of this before. And um, a lot of the episode is spent uh, Lucy being dirtier and dirtier due to uh, car grease and oil and working... Lots of overalls. Yes, uh, and working... And a bandana. She's wearing a bandana at, some, at one point um, and working on the car. She's, like, reading about this stuff. Her and Annie have, like, a bonding moment. Um, but, unfortunately, this car love does not extend to Ruthie or Mary, um, Mary decides that she wants to pick up guys again, uh, and her, last time she picked like, up Wilson at the park, so she takes Ruthie to the park with yeah. Happy, and Jay, like, they're about to leave, and then Jay was like, oh, I would expect an athletic person like you to have a bigger dog. Like Which, a, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? I don't know, like a golden retriever or a lab, and then, uh... She's like, do I know you? And he's, it's Jay Thompson from biology. And he apparently sat next to Mary in biology last year. And apparently he just, he grew, which is why. She doesn't recognize him. Which I guess makes sense. She probably doesn't see below her. I'm assuming Jessica Biel is tall because she's a basketball player. She uh, is. I think Mary. IRL. Well, yeah. Well, Mary, I mean, Mary Campbell. Yeah. Um, she decides this is, they have, like, one conversation, and he, she's like, oh, I have to go back and help my mom fix the car. He's like, oh, I'm into cars. My dad's a car dealer, so I'm into cars. Um, and she invites him home to come see the car. Yeah. So the next scene is... And, and oh, yeah, she, she acts like she, yeah. Yeah. So the next scene is Mary and Jay go into the garage, and Lucy is there working on it, and Annie, everyone's there... Except for Simon and the Rev. And, and Matt, obviously. Yeah. And, uh... Jay's like, well, I'm here to see how Mary changes oil. Yeah, like, they're like, we need to change the oil. And then, uh, I think Lucy is like... Or Annie says, she's like, you love changing the oil. You've done it so many times or whatever. So he's he's like, oh, I'll help you. Can you get the drip pan? And she says, like, oh... I'll go to the kitchen and get it. And he thinks she's joking. And he's like, oh, you're so funny. It's right here. And it's literally right over his shoulder. Um, and then Lucy actually does something that is not selfish and ends up helping out Mary here and keeping her from looking like a fool because she's like, Mary, you change the oil all the time. So let someone else have a chance. Uh, she also, like, talks up Mary in that she's like, I think that we shouldn't put the air conditioning in, but Mary thinks we should. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, and he's like, I have to agree with Mary on that one. So It's, like, know. completely out of character for Lucy. I feel like usually in these situations, Lucy would, like, um, grasp, at, grasp at the opportunity to make a Mary look like a fool, but she is very helpful. Um, this helpful streak continues because now that Mary has a boy interested, she wants to keep said boy interested, so she wants to learn more as much about cars as possible. So that night, they, Lucy is quizzing her on what a carburetor is. Um, except Mary's like, oh my god, have I lost it? Boys used to come to me all the time. Now I have to pass a test about cars. She's pulling a total Lucy. And Lucy's being super patient and super helpful and being and like... she's like, you're going to get this, you know? <laughs> and 
then Mary says something along the lines of, well, why don't you like him? Or why aren't you going for him? And Lucy says, uh, well, you know, you saw him first. I'm not going to, like, do that to you. <laughs> and all I have to say is, do we not remember the last episode with Jordan where Lucy completely took Jordan away from Mary? And that was a thing that happened? I remember. Uh, also, where is Jordan? I thought it was Saturday. Saturday is in this episode. Yeah, Maybe no, he's, like- he's, he's coming back. We'll see him. There was much more important. They had much more important things to tackle in this episode, obviously. But my basic like this stupid car plot. My basic comment about this was that it seems like Mary and Lucy have changed personalities for an episode. Because honestly, for me, there was no like. Lucy was great in this episode. She didn't have any like bad moments. She wasn't really in it. I think that's part of like a lot of the. I mean, but there are a few times where she could have reacted. And so anyway, this whole plot... Well, there's one more scene before it ends. Uh, now that Mary is knows more about cars, she's decided she needs to look the part, which is, I guess, oh. <laughs> which is, I guess, brings us to our like nice '90s fashion. fashion. Um, maybe we'll post this on our social media. I guess we'll see if we can get a good enough screenshot. But um, she's wearing jeans, uh, a like a, I don't she's even, wearing like a mechanic shirt, right. tied off. Like a crop top, and it says Louis on it. Who is Louis? Where did he come from? Yeah, where did they get? Did why did they have shirt? a shirt? And she's wearing pigtails, but like her hair is super short, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, um, she's looking very. I don't even have a word for it, but like it's not what you should be wearing while you're trying to fix a car because. Everything's really hot, and you don't want that. It's like it's like you don't like make bacon. You shouldn't naked. have like exposed. Yeah, your skin shouldn't be exposed. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, usually if you work on the car though, after it's when it's not running, so. Well, I mean, yeah. I just I I also just feel like there's all those chemicals and stuff about. I don't know. I don't fix cars. I don't know what happened. There's not that many. Chem- I don't think there are many chemicals that'll like burn your skin off in a car. It doesn't need to be burned. I just mean like to get on, like get on your skin. That would be irritating. Yeah, I don't think there are that many. I don't think that there are that many in a car. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um, uh, I just think it's not... Uh, unless there's something, like, wrong with your battery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, acid or yeah. corrosion or something. I'm, we're totally getting off track here. Well, uh, oh, all right. Um, <laughs> it's the most entertaining part of this, right? <laughs> is this conversation. Uh, but it basically, uh, it ends with Ruthie and Mary being like, we're not car people and leaving. And Annie letting Lucy know that she's the one that should give Matt the car because she's the one that worked on it the most. And uh, Lucy does just that, gives Matt his 1984 Camaro. Uh, He's really happy about it. But he's on his way out to go somewhere. So Lucy, the, the only thing she asks Matt when she gives him the car is like, oh, take, like, just, like, let's go for a ride in the car that I just fixed for you. And Matt's like, no, I can't take you anywhere now. And Lucy is just like, okay. Yeah, which is, like, a out prime... Out of character. Up, yeah, completely out of character for her. But she does everything in grace, like, with a lot of grace this episode. So, I mean... Maybe it's because she feels useful. I, I find that, like, when she... I don't know, when she feels useful or when, like, she's getting attention from... People, she's usually okay. Uh, yes, and I guess it's also because this is not about boys for the first time in her life. (laughs) Um, She has something else going on, and I mean, I don't know if we're gonna see any of her car skills ever again in the future. But good on her. 
Uh, that is really it for the girls. Uh, and I guess the main storyline, which actually has to do with alcohol, is uh, Matt's storyline. Yes. He gets so drunk. He doesn't. <laughs> um, so we'll start with the cold open, which, okay, I'm just going to say this like as a blanket statement. <laughs> this was the best part of the episode, All of, every time that they were in the fr- the, the, this frat house. Yes. So um, they, uh, it's what, it, the Row Omega? Is that what it is? Row Omega, yeah. yeah. Did uh, you say Throw Omega? No, I said Row. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a, the Row Omega uh, frat house at Crawford University, which is, uh, if we didn't mention that in the last episode, is the name of the school that Matt is now going to. Um, and I just want to say this, that any time they were at the frat house, 7-7 made the executive decision to uh, change up how they were going to do their camera work. It looks very much, like you said, like a student film, but with like close-ups and weird angles... I don't even know. I, I, I'm trying to think of like the uh, a different um, like it? the stuff like when it's employed in like movies and stuff because it's or, or other than student films when it's like deliberately used um, as like a, a cinematography cinem- like like a choice. Yeah. Well, I would say it's kind of used when like you're trying to show that like the, per- the someone's on drugs. Yeah, yeah. Someone on dr- yeah, someone's high or someone's dr- like drunk or on drugs. It's very like wobbly, very like in your face. I was going to say, like, gonzo filmmaking, but <laughs> I don't think I should say that, so... <laughs> you keep saying... Like, I don't think I should say this, but I just did. Well, I I think that if you really don't want it in there, that you would tell me to stop talking, and then we would cut it, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I say it, and then we'll see what happens, because I'm a risk taker. If you're listening at home, don't, and you don't know what that is, don't look it up. <laughs> um, anyway... We uh, so we start at the frat uh, at the frat house, and it looks like M- Mitch, who's not Mitch anymore. Oh my God! This is all right. So you said this is his third name change, but so he was Mitch the first time we met him. This actor. Mm-hmm. Then in a subsequent episode, the actually who knew the marijuana episode? I know exactly. Yeah. There was a different actor that they were saying was Mitch. Then this original actor who played Mitch came back in a different episode in season two, and they were calling him Mitch again, and now. He's appeared again, and he is Kevin. So this this man who is having an identity crisis is now named Kevin, uh, and and Matt and Kevin have decided that they want to fledge, pl- fledge, pledge, pledge to this eternity, eternity. I can't speak. Can we stop? No, keep going. This is good. I, I like this. They're gonna pledge to eternity. They're gonna, pl- and then what happens? <laughs> I'm writing a better episode than uh, whoever wrote this episode did, but they're going to pledge to a fraternity. Uh, this one in particular. And it's like your basic uh, setup for a frat house. Everything's a mess. They just had a party last night. And they're showing them to their like potential new room. Yeah, there's trash all over. I, we said that, but it's just all over. It's like excessively. It's not. It's like a movie frat house. It's not like an actual frat house because it's just like so much more disgusting. But then there are like these two asshole guys that are showing them around the house. And they're like, oh, the less the, the minister's kid like, knows, the better off we are. Ha ha. And if someone's got a bandana on the door handle, that means don't knock, don't come in, blah, blah, blah. And all this like bullshit, stupid shit. <laughs> I, I guess my question is, how do people now at the university know that Matt's the minister's kid? Is it like a super, super local school? Like, 
I guess I don't know. It, it, this, this, I feel like this is like they introduce themselves and they're like, "Hi, my father's a minister." I that's stupid. They shouldn't do that. Um, we I guess we like maybe I I could see maybe Kevin or Mitch or whoever told them. I don't know. Kevin Mitch, Mitch Kevin. Uh, Mevin, maybe. Maybe it's his middle name, and now he's in college, and he wants to be Kevin. Doesn't want to be Mitch anymore. Yeah. Um, we get the idea that Matt really doesn't want to be there. That's not, like, the kind of lifestyle he wants to be living, and that Kevin does. Uh, Matt has, like, a conversation with his dad where he's like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, oh, are you going to back out again? And there's this, like, theme of, like, the fact that, like, Matt never commits to things. Yeah, and, well, I mean, the rev also, though, is, like, if this isn't for you, you don't need to do it just because you need somewhere to live or whatever. So uh, I think the the rev also, I don't think the rev wants him to do it just because of, like, stereotypical fraternity culture, and the rev is thinking of that. Um, and then Matt kind of reflects on it, and he tells Mitch that he wants, he doesn't want to go forward with it because a good list of, he's like, oh, I've always, I, I, I'm not, like, a person who, Likes to hang out with a group of guys. I like. I'd prefer like going on dates and stuff, and just kind of having my own. I don't know, deciding what I want to do when I want to do it, kind of thing. And this and Mitch, Kevin, Mitch, no, Kevin. His name's Kevin. His name is Kevin now. Um, it's like you don't understand. His father is a single father, and he his he's traveling all the time for work. And the only person who's ever at his house when he gets home is a housekeeper who goes into her bedroom at 8 o'clock and shuts the door. So this guy is always, he's grown up, you know, I guess lonesome, as the user synopsis said. Clearly why he decides to change his name. And he, <laughs> he doesn't even know what his real name is. and Because nobody's calling him anything ever. So he decides that he has to do this because he he likes the idea of having, like, oh, he says, like, oh, it's like, oh, we're going to be brothers, like, going to have, have, like, siblings or whatever, and it's great, people to look out for me and friends. He also says that his dad was also part of this fraternity, and, like, this is a good way to make contacts, and this is how his dad got, like, his, the job that he has now, and, like, the, this is, like, a great network of people. He deci- He also decides to call college four years of war and that you go to war with your brother. Um, and he's like, you know, we got to survive these four years with beer, parties, and women. And I want to do that with you. And Matt is basically like, look, this is clearly what's right for you, but it's not right for me. And... Mitch Kevin says... He, uh, I'm looking at his th- at IMDb right now, and he's credited as having been Kevin and Mitch. That's... <laughs> so, he's going to be in another episode as Kevin. Great. More identity crises. Oh, no, it says that he was named Kevin in the episode where Simon was addicted to golf. I don't even remember him being in that episode. <laughs> Maybe they never said his name, and we assumed that he Wasn't was Wasn't that Mitch. the episode where uh, Matt goes to pick up Kevin Mitch from... Like, the very long drive that they had. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's the one where they think that, that, he's that Matt's married, married. married with Heather, who we haven't heard from in years. Oh, she comes back, don't I worry. know, I know. You said that. But, yeah, but they definitely called him Mitch in that episode. Yeah, they I did. I feel like he's like, Mitch, all right, we're kind of off track here, but I was just, like, trying to, I just wanted to see if on IMDb the discrepancy is, like, accounted for. And it is. Um... He is basically done with it. Uh, done, like, he's like, 
well, I guess we're not friends anymore, which is kind of silly. Like, he, he has, has like a very sinister voice yeah. when he's like telling Matt, like, if you don't want to be in the fraternity, then I don't want to be involved with you or whatever. But Matt still acts like he's like on the fence about it when he's at home. I think this is when the conversation with the ref happens and he's like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Then it comes the night that it's like the final pledge event, I guess. And Matt asks the Rev if he could borrow the car. And the Rev says, oh, you're not going to that fraternity, are you? And then there's a little brief conversation where he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I know Matt says something about, like, I would never drive drunk anyway. Um, and mm-hmm. Drinking is bad. You know, dare, the usual dare conversation. The thing that I was paying attention to, the, to in this scene was the fact that uh, the, rain, uh, the rainbows, the towels in the Camden household are in Roy G. Biv order. Except there was no red, like you mentioned. But. Yes, it was Oiji Biv. Oiji Biv. Very good. Um, <laughs> so. Matt drives past uh, the Row Omega frat house, and apparently uh, the fraternity brothers in 1998 were really into their mopeds uh, because there were. So many mopeds. And he's like, nah, I don't want to do this. And he instead goes to the saloon. Um, the saloon, which uh, was. In the episode where Aunt Julie, in season one, where Aunt Julie is. Um, Getting drunk. Getting drunk, yeah, after she uh, assaults Simon. Um, So we've seen this set before, but we aren't there frequently. But now we're there twice in an episode. Uh, He's the only one there not drinking alcohol. Um, He's, like, having a soda or something, and somebody buys him a drink, and it is a woman named Rita Chavez. Uh, Rita is a med student, and this is her first night off, and she's not drinking. And her and Matt... Bond over not drinking. Yeah. um, My thing is, med student, so probably older than 20. Definitely older than Matt. Uh, Wait, well, I'm definitely older than Matt, but probably older than 23 or 24. Right, exactly. At at, at the youngest. At the youngest. And Matt is 18. Why do these women who are significantly older than him continue to go to him? Because in real life, Barry Watson is is like her age. So he he looks old. Uh... So, I don't know, she's like, oh, you caught my eye because you're not drinking either, and he's drinking a soda, and I'm like, you can't really tell if he's not drinking, there could be something mixed in there, but Matt kind of tells the whole, I think he tells the story about the frat, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm here alone because I don't want to be in a frat, and Rita is like, that's so radical, because... Or your own person or something. I don't know. I yeah, made that up. but <laughs> They hit it off. I still don't understand what her the point of her in this episode was. Uh, he goes back home. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, the Rev, Rev and Simon see him. But the Rev, for the first time, actually trusts that Matt hasn't been drinking. And yay, good. Because I was afraid there was going to be a whole thing about, oh my God, you said you weren't going to drink and you're drinking. Uh, but then well, some- I think, I think, I don't know, I think that now that he's, like, in college, we're going to start to see that. Oh, that's good. That's exciting. That they're, like, letting go or whatever, like, oh, he Development. Has to, like- so exciting for the parents. Uh, but let's take a look back at what's happening at the frat house to get some more wonky camera work. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um... It's, there's hazing going on. Uh, I think the hazing is taking the form of, like, doing push-ups and then, like... Having to take, like, shots and drink from a beer bong and then doing more push-ups. So, like, you do, like, five or ten push-ups and then they make you take a shot and, like, drink a beer and then you have to do more. And Kevin's definitely worse for the wear. You can tell he's kind of getting, like, green around the edges. The camera work tells the story. Yes. Uh, one of the fraternity brothers uh, is like, I think everybody's had enough. But 
the other two, like the ones that were showing uh, Matt and Kevin around, were like, nah, this is, we're only beginning, or, you know, some other yeah, asshole some, bullshit. Yeah, something stupid. Um, and It's not over till someone's dead. Yeah, uh, basically. Um, so the responsible one ends up calling the Camden household. My question is, how did he get? How does he get Matt's number? Um, right. Like, and also, Matt—they don't even ask for Matt. Like they just know that he's the one who answered the phone. Like he's calling the family house. What if they got Ruthie and she like hung up on them? And like this kid is like, I left him in his car. Go get him. Well, I think they knew he wasn't going to be going anywhere. He was like passed. So anyway, Matt—that's where Matt is going yeah. when Lucy is like. Oh, the car's ready for you. No, no, no. That's not where he's going. That's not where he's going. <laughs> no, this is the night before I that. Lied. So he gets in the station. Yeah, he doesn't have the car yet. Yeah. So he gets in the Rev station wagon. Yes, it's the station wagon. And he drives over to the frat house and he finds Kevin passed out in his car. And he tries like smacking him around to get him to wake up. And he like opens his eyes, but he's not really very responsive. So, <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> Matt yells to some people across the street. He goes, Call 911. And then someone just goes, do it yourself. Um, and then Matt turns into like a, like a Hulk or something because he's able to pick Mitch up over his Kevin. shoulder. Kevin. Kevin Mitch. I'm just, whatever. And Kevin Mitch is a big guy. Yeah. And he like basically fireman carries him out, right? That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, it back into the station wagon and drives him to the hospital where the Rev meets up with him. And guess who's there? Uh... Well, before... Oh, it's the next day. Yes, before that, we have the doctor that usually is at, the, is at this hospital. That's like a level of continuity that's <laughs> profound for 7th Heaven. Um, and then they decide to follow laws as well because they're not going to tell Matt anything about what's going on with Kevin because Matt's not family. Apparently he can die, though, because of all the alcohol he has in his system. Uh, it's like it's five, five times. times the legal limit. So everybody's really worried. Uh, but then the next day, because I'm assuming Matt stays overnight? <laughs> yeah. Is that what happens? He's so close with Mitch. He stays overnight. Um, oh, and they have they keep saying that how what a hard time they're having getting in touch with um, Kevin's uh, father. father because, like, oh, he's never home. So the next day... Um, Rita shows up. Rita shows up, and she's like... Are you, she just knows he's there for, I guess, because they had the conversation the night before about the hazing and the drinking, and she's like, oh, are you here for Kevin? Uh, they haven't come out and told you anything yet. And then she just tells Matt everything because it's no longer illegal. But they say, he's awake, he's stable, there was no brain damage, so it's all good. And Matt's like, okay. Then he calls the Rev, and, te- and the Rev is like, we got a hold of... Kevin's father, he wants a full rundown from the doctor before he comes back from his business trip in New York to show us just what a callous human being Kevin's father is. And why Kevin needs a fraternity so badly. (laughs) I guess. Uh, And then, so then Matt is like, okay, I'm just going to talk to Kevin and then I'm going to be home. So he goes and he talks to Kevin and is like, I saved your life. Those guys don't care about you. And Kevin is still like... I'm gonna join that fraternity. He's like, this I've is done my so, destiny. Yeah, he's like, I've done so much. I've gone. I've come so uh, come so far. So I'm gonna continue, which is I don't understand how that is logical, but okay. Yeah, and Matt's like, they left you for dead in your car. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, fine then. Bye. <laughs> and then on the way out, Matt runs into the, the responsible who, frat a uh, frat boy. He seems he seems like the one who is like he seems like the president from the way they've portrayed him. He's like in charge. He's always like commanding the room every time that something's going on. Uh, and he is like, 
I, some, I don't know. He tells Matt that he's he's there to tell Mitch that um, he's no he's, longer. Yeah, that that Mitch is no longer like able to pledge. He's out because he's too much of a liability, and the guys don't want that happening again. And he like is saying he's only the messenger. But Matt's like clearly you're more than just that. And suddenly like responsible frat guy is like maybe I should be more responsible. <laughs> And the next scene is when uh, he t- uh, when Matt takes Camaro and goes to the frat house. Uh, he has some unfinished business with these fraternity brothers, um, and we see Barry Watson getting physical. <laughs> We've seen he he much like his father. Um, well, we said this before. Like the Rev was always like, "I'm gonna you know if he doesn't get his way, he's like I'm gonna beat it out of you or whatever." Uh, and then we see Matt doing the same thing now on multiple occasions. But he runs up to someone and he's like, are you the one who put him in his car? Left him for, left him for dead. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's the, he pushes this guy around, says, you're not even worth the punch. Uh, like, I'm not going to punch you. He, like, makes a scene and starts to walk back to his Camaro. And then responsible frat guy, who I don't even know if this kid has a name, but, like, he's just like, no, I'm coming with you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it anymore or I won't do it anymore. And, uh, and, then, and he just and no, he doesn't say he's coming with him. He's just like, no, I won't do it anymore. And then Matt's like, get in. <laughs> Does he even know where where he's? I'm pretty sure that that guy lives in the frat house. So where is he? He should pack up his stuff if he's gonna leave. And the end of the episode is the car driving away. Yeah, that's it. But the thing is that he does not see save Kevin from whatever. Like, what's gonna happen to Kevin now? He. Like, his dream was this fraternity, even though the fraternity almost killed him. Well, don't worry. IMDb says this is the end of his run <laughs> on Seventh Heaven, so... So there's no resolution whatsoever. We'll about never, what... ever see Kevin again. Or Mitch. Like, we'll never see any <laughs> incarnation of this person. But, like, what... So what does this mean? <laughs> like, what, what is the lesson <laughs> we're supposed to learn here? Don't drink or you'll die. Or don't join a fraternity. You'll die. So, which is wrong. Both of these things are wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, okay. Well, okay. I'm giving this a two. Um, out of seven. Right. I will also be giving it a two out of seven. Um, who, do you have any Camden that you think was the best Camden in this episode? Okay, I'm going to go with Ruthie because of that line when she's like, I'm not as cute as I used to be. Now I'm downright pretty. <laughs> oh, yeah, and she winks at that random dude, and the random uh, dude yeah. winks back. This boy who's, like, Simon's age, so. Um, I'm going to throw you for a loop here and give it to Lucy. Uh, I no. know. I know. I feel like I should... I feel like this is probably one of my, my one and only chance to be nice to Lucy, so I'm going to go ahead and take it and then forget about it. Okay. Um, I think... That's about it for this episode. Uh, sorry that it was not entertaining. We hope that our commentary was at least <laughs> entertaining for you, um, even though I could not speak during this episode. We well, Kevin is pledged to eternity, to the fraternity. <laughs> he's not pledged to eternity. He's fledged to eternity, Aaron. Um, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Camden Cast Show, or you can like us on Facebook, which is just Camden Cast. 
And obviously, we'll be uh, on in iTunes. On, on in iTunes. iTunes. And we're in the internet. <laughs> um, uh, where you can subscribe to us and review us and rate us. Do the, those things, please. We appreciate you, listeners. Yes. We have not said that. I feel like we haven't thanked the listeners in a while. Oh, yeah. We, you got, I, like, any time that we hear from you guys or if you like, even if it's just, like, liking one of our posts or we commenting. We get excited. We get very excited. Uh, notifications are my lifeblood. They <laughs> give, they keep me alive in this cruel, cruel world. Much, yes. Much like recording this podcast every week does as well um yeah all right so i'm tampy and i'm erin and this was camping cast Seven